Yeah, treat yourself. Get a 12-foot skeleton. I might. I very much might. Yeah, and my wedding photos will be me on my front lawn with my new husband running from a 12-foot skeleton. About that. You know, like the T-Rex photos? Or, you know that meme of the dude that's walking with his girlfriend and then he notices the other woman walking by? It's me looking like at the, the skeleton. skeleton used to be walking by. <laughs> but we're not going to, like, you don't frame the picture to be so that the whole skeleton is in it. Like, you just put the skeleton where it should be for the meme and you just take the picture. So, so it's like just half the femur. So I know you know me very well, but do you know how many skeletons I would keep at my desk at my office and like stalls I would keep at my desk in my office year round? At least six. And what? That is too many skeletons. Was, one of them was a skull that was given to me by the accounting supervisor. Because she saw how many I had, and she saw it at a Michael's, and she just couldn't not give it to me. So she put it in my pencil holder to surprise me. It was the best. She thought it was a joke, but that it kept staying there year-round. And I was like, no, Debbie, I think this is the cutest thing ever. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago... The four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Hello, and welcome to The Pie Show. I'm your host, Kelly. And I'm Colton. Today, we are talking about Season 1, Chapter 10, Jet. The summary for the episode, a band of rebel gorillas with a charming, roguish leader rescues Aang, Sokka, and Katara as they're fleeing the Fire Nation's minions. Know what I noticed? Um, I had to look it up, too. Like, that's a really short episode title. And the only other time so far that we've had an episode title that's one word is Imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And they're both kind of introducing Katara potential love interests. Oh, I never made that connection. Yeah, that's what I noticed. Yeah, whoa. She has like a light, like a little thing with Haru, and then and then there's Jet. But that is a thing. But the, the but yeah. So episodes where we don't have the article, Katara. Well, where it's specifically Katara finds someone to be interested just, in. There's no article. Like it's one word. That is it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. This was this was our first episode without any Zuka whatsoever. Yeah, I miss him. Aww. Especially after. Last week, you know, leaving off mm. with, I mean, I guess it makes sense if they, if, if he needs, you know, extra time to recover from losing his ship and part of his team. It's, it's a long walk back to the port <laughs> from where they were. I think maybe I didn't miss uh, Zuko as much because I got such Dante Basco vibes because I kept seeing the movie Hook. And when I was seeing a band of like young kids, kind of lost boys esque, you know, being in the trees and 
stealing from the bad guys and doing what they think is right at all costs. And it felt very um, Rufio and Hook. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got a lot of those like Peter Pan, Robin Hood kind of vibes going on. You've seen the movie Hook, right? No. What? I was going to try to see how far I could make it into this episode <laughs> without admitting it. <laughs> and you call me out in the first two minutes. I am calling you out because normally you would make a fun reference to something like that because we're all about the pop culture references, you and I. Oh, I I have references for this episode, just not to hook. I'm sure. (laughs) It's funny. I'm pretty positive I'm not the only one who who has gotten this. I know it's mentioned on the wiki that it has some, that it feels very similar to uh, the movie Hook and... Dante Basco, who play, who does the voice of Zuko, is also uh, the starring as Rufio in the movie Hook. So mm. that's what he's. I'll have to watch two it. Two of then. his major, two of his major roles that he's known for: Zuko and Rufio. You like, can't go to a con without seeing one of those cosplays. Well, I've also never been to a con, but this is not <laughs> the things Colton has not done. Show this is the pie show. <laughs> This is the Pi Show. You are correct. <laughs> so, did you do you watch every week the little recaps of you know where we are in the plot of the show? Yes, I do, and I kind of I do it because I want the full context of when the show was originally aired. Like, I want to get the full concept of here is what you would have seen. Mm-hmm. And this recap was was weird to me. Because... It was different from all the others. There was no mention of the comet, of the, like, main plot. It felt like it was mostly just about sibling rivalry between Katara and Sokka. I feel like this is the first recap that we've had where... There's almost there's a level of trust in the audience that between the recap every week and, you know, the main theme of the, of the show that you're watching at this point. You know, we're 10 episodes in. You have a rough idea of what's going on. And instead of using this time at the beginning of the episode to re-exposit information that you already have, maybe instead what we're going to do is present the information that you already have in such a way as to inform your viewing of this current episode that we're about to show you. Yeah. I feel like I see Katara in a more complete light having watched this recap than I would have if I hadn't. I like that. Yeah, and it's not like you're getting... You're seeing Katara in more of a complete light rather than, oh no, there's a big comet and you gotta save the world in six months. Like, that that kind of takes the back burner, if anything. I don't even think it's mentioned. I don't think so. Yeah, no. It's just odd. I mean, who really needs to talk about the giant world-ending comet in the room? <laughs> I don't. Do you? <laughs> What's more important is uh, Katara, because <laughs> another idea that, you know, Katara is the one telling the story. Because what's important to her this episode is... Her relationships uh, with her, her her brother and Aang and the balance of the group rather than, you know, the world ending. Also her personal journey. Yeah. And they don't really make progress in the in the whole world ending idea yet. Like, 
the main progress is in is uh, internal struggle within the uh, team avatar. Yeah, I I feel like this intro in particular really kind of it it reinforced and it validated the opinion that and the idea that you put forth in our show last week, where you mentioned that last week's episode, a lot of Katara's reactions are her learning to are coming to terms with coping with that stress that she has about the world ending and, you know, her feelings about her ability to be a bender and a teacher to the avatar and the role that she has to play in this bigger story. And I think seeing elements of her journey, you know, cut up over a, what, a minute, minute and a half, if that really, really drove that home. And it, it got me thinking again about what you were saying. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I say, well, now that you put it that way, last episode was a lot of like the anger stage of like the frustration of not being able to feel like she's in control or that she can do enough. And this felt very much an episode of her burying her head in the sand, the denial, like, nope, like there are other ways we can deal with this and I don't need to worry about it. And someone else might be, might be able to take that worry off of me oh yeah like she's she's looking for someone else to take a bit of the pressure yeah it's a little bit of escapism for her yeah yeah oh i like that yeah so i'm curious to see where we see her next episode if this was her little escape how does she adjust she's done the anger she's done the trying to kind of run away and hide the problem put her head in the sand of from this problem mentally what is her next step soccer pow we got another boomerang in action i absolutely love that <laughs> Saka watches like guitar and like an ang trying to figure out how are we going to get these animals down from these cages and he's trying to ang is trying to fly up one by one and Saka's like human solutions for human problems why don't i just cut the cord with a boomerang it's like we're done here <laughs> let's move on <laughs> i really liked Sokka in this intro yeah his his whole like let's not fly flying is obviously getting us like it's easy to track you look up there's nowhere to hide in the sky it's a giant flying bison like let's let's hoof it for a bit and see if we can lose the fire nation and gain some ground it's also very interesting for him to you know he's suggesting this because he's been he's with two benders who think outside the box and like oh i can use some air bending to do this and water bending to do this he's like guys or we could walk or we yeah, could it's, do the simple thing and, you know, probably get by. Don't overthink it. Just, you know, one foot in front of the other. It it reminds me of what you said about, you know, Sokka trusting his instincts. Sokka's instincts come up a lot in this episode. They come up a lot in this episode. And you brought it up last episode. And that's all I could think of, of you saying, you know, he went with his instincts of, you know, let me... uh let me expose Aang as the avatar in front of these pirates and use that to get out of this situation. And he kept doubling down on it. And I'm like, he just solved the pirate issues with his instincts. 
why are we insecure on them right now? Well, I think we're insecure on them because he just solved the pirate issue on his instincts. I don't think he was trying to solve the pirate issue as like, a, I can do this sort of sort of decision. I think he was just, you know, throwing the Hail Mary. We're going to die. I have nothing left to do. Let me just. Yeah, whatever. Why not? What else do we have to lose? We die faster. And then it worked. And so now he has that, you know, little bit of confidence with which to try again. But it only worked that once before. And it well, it didn't work the other time with the bombs in in the fire temple. So maybe it's not going to work this time. But like it worked last time and, you know, saved everybody. And so, yeah, he's he's not sure right now. He's still trying to figure it out of like, okay, so maybe I do have some good instincts. How do I figure out which ones to act on? Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure Katara just makes that job so easy for him. <laughs> and I, I feel bad Sokka's a little bit of the punching bag, but I just, I, I think in this episode, it is really brilliant and just really shows me how much I love Sokka's character. That you kind of the growth seems almost hidden at first that he's kind of gone through this and that he does know what to do and has strong convictions um and sometimes Sokka just has terrible luck like walking straight into a fire nation camp yeah i don't know about you but i i paused to write a note and uh, I paused right on the reactions of all of Team Avatar looking back at the Fire Nation <laughs> when the, the Fire Nation soldiers when they walk into camp. And I was like, "Oh no! Did you get like the transition frame?" It was perfect. Yes, it was that. It was, and it was brilliant. Just another, another brilliant transition frame. I I did not pause to take a note at that moment but i think i'm gonna have to go back and watch the episode again and try to try to catch that it's so campy when they walk when they walk in they look at them the the fire nation soldiers look at the team and it goes back just to the team looking at the fire nation soldiers and it's just so camp and uh it's nice to have that little bit of fun. It's a very campy episode. It is, it is. And there is a lot of fun in this episode, despite where it ends up going. Yeah. I think this episode is interesting because the, the first half is, it is a fun romp through, mm -hmm. through you know, the woods. With, we have these new characters. Jet maybe has the coolest intro of any character on the show. <laughs> That pains me so much to say because I'm not a Jet fan. <laughs> but rewatching that first scene where he just like comes jumping and flipping in with the swords and the quippy one-liners and the cool action shot angles, like he oozes cool in this intro in the first half of this episode. He really does. All I could think was, oh, Jet. You're so bad. <laughs> yes. And we have the whole opening fight montage establishing every member of the Freedom Fighters, the whole group. Everyone has a gimmick. Everyone's doing their thing, working together as a team. I'm just going to run down who the Freedom Fighters are. 
Because this is like, this is a big intro for like multiple. We haven't had like this like onslaught of character introductions before, I don't feel. Um, So we have Jet, and then we have Sneers, Longshot, Smellerby, and Pipsqueak, and the Duke. Colton, how memorable were these freedom fighters for you? Because you've you've only seen the episode, you've only seen the series once through before. Some of them are more memorable than others. That's fair. Sneers doesn't doesn't appear, doesn't say anything, and doesn't appear later. So yeah, I think I think Sneers, Sneers is sort of like the bottom of the barrel of the group. Yeah. So I'm I'm a big fan of like the '80s action movie. They're, they're not a lot of them are not great films, but like you know, yeah, Alien and Predator and. You know, even the Rambo, some of the, the parodies of those movies that have come out, you know, like the Expendable series. And what I really love about a lot of those movies is you have these big ensemble casts. You have these teams working together and everyone has their thing that they do and everyone has their thing that they do that ties into everything about them. Mm-hmm. It's it's their aesthetic. It's their role in the team. It's their name oftentimes. You know, it's this trope i think the a team was maybe the first like instance of you have this team that you know everyone's a specialist in something and they all work together and that's what this is to me this is like a cliche action movie squad yeah you have your you have your big one you have your with the ironic name you have the little one who's clever and you don't expect them to hit that hard but somehow they're the brute of the bunch even though they're not the big one you have the long range archer you have the quippy one you have the cool leader yeah it is that ragtag group yeah of of specialists it's so funny so when i think of the freedom fighters i i always remember smellerby um but and and long shot but it's so funny because i re- I re- vaguely remember Pipsqueak and the Duke, but I always forget that they're the, from the Freedom Fighters. I'm like, oh, what episode do we meet Pipsqueak and the Duke? Like, I remember them, but I don't remember what they're from. And so this was the time watching it. I'm like, oh, my God, they're Freedom Fighters. Duh. Like, it just seemed they seem so detached in my memory from Smellerby and Longshot. I don't know why that is, but that is uh, that was a revelation for me. <laughs> So remember episode? Uh, what was it? Episode three? Where was it? Two or three? Where Ang was lift, listing off all of the animals that he wanted to go see. That he wants to see. I was. This is what I hid from you. We introduce hog monkeys. You get to see what hog monkeys look like. I told you they come back. You are correct. Hog monkeys do come back. This was not the episode that I was thinking about with them. No. No, they're not the episode I was thinking of either if they came back. But they came back. I went to look it up. I went to look it up. I'm like, oh, what's I always I always look up the exact name of the animal that is in the that is in the episode. And I was like, oh, what's in that cage? And I'm like, it's a hog monkey. Oh, my God. Hog monkeys. They're not cute, though. No, no, I do not find them cute. But like they were going through some stuff, though, with being like. Trapped in cages. So I kind of That's true. 
I'm not cute when I'm put in a cage. I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wanted to ask a question about Appa. So how strong are these trees that Appa is, like, sleeping in the trees at night? Or is he, like, floating over it? Like, is he, like, slightly still flying but would not not be restful? I think that flying is so easy and comes so naturally to him that he is flying. But you don't want to float away. Mm. So you need to kind of anchor yourself to something. You know, he's like, like, you know, otters hold hands when they nap so they don't drift away from each other. Well, you know, sky bison hold trees. But, okay, so hear me out. We, in later episodes, when Appa needs sleep, he needs to lie down. Like, he needs to be on the ground. Like, he doesn't still continue to float or fly when he is sleeping and it's shown that he can't that there's there's an episode i'm thinking of where you know the gang is sleep deprived and everything including appa and appa falls asleep while he's flying and starts to like nose dive to the ground and that's 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 just what i was trying to think of when you know appa's in the in the treetops i was just this this is just my musing like you know how do we get more sky bison in the future? It's fine. This is just one of my questions about sky bison. Well, I don't think he's really light because don't we see him like, you know, use his weight? Yeah. And that's why I was point? just wondering how strong these trees are. <laughs> I feel like he's going to be, some... be really strong trees. It's got to be some pretty powerful trees. I could see that. Or like, you know, you can you can take like a power nap in a chair, mm. you know, kind of sitting up. Yeah. But when you go to bed at night, you lie down. So maybe this is, maybe he's not sleeping. Maybe it's more like, you know, power nap. That was just something I wanted to, I'll think about that. That's just something I wanted to bring up in the cute animal alert. Because I find Appa a cute animal. And this was a question that came up for me as I was watching. I also want to bring up Momo's Revenge, a.k.a. when he starts throwing pop, like the little snappers at, <laughs> at their feet. And you keep making me think about how... You said there's a theory that Momo is Monkey Yatso, and I just, (laughs) I know you hadn't at the time gone into more of it, but it just makes me look at Momo in a different light a little bit of just like, that is pretty human, and Monkey Yatso was kind of a prankster and everything. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to take a moment to say, you're in my head, Colton. You've gotten in my head. You've like... I want you to know that I brought that up as just like a fun, interesting thing that I read. Mm -hmm. And I have not thought about it since. (laughs) Meanwhile, you're over there like, oh my God, the the numbers, what do they mean? What do they mean? You're like, two plus two equals four, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) That's so typical. And it's something you're like, oh, here's a fun fact. And here I am with the red yarn going, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That sums up our relationship. <laughs> I think so. I kind of want to give the cute animal alert. Like, if I'm still, I'm still awarding my cute animal thing. As much as the hog monkeys are not necessarily cute, they went through a lot. I don't think this was their cutest moment. Like you said, being in a cage is not your cutest moment. And I feel bad for them. And poaching is bad. So, so you're going to give them a pity award? Yeah. 
Yeah, I am. I'm confused about this segment because we call it an alert and yet we award it. <laughs> I don't know. But I guess hog monkeys because they're new. <laughs> I like to alert people to cute animals and then I like to rank them myself. So like you're, you're gesturing to them like look here and then you're giving the animal a pat on the head. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, like, I can I can support that. I like to pet the animals. <laughs> Be careful with the hog monkeys; they bite. Yeah. 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 This is what I just this is I'll just release them with a boomerang from a distance. That's that's <laughs> that's my relationship with hog monkeys, just from a distance. <laughs> question that I want to ask you now because we've kind of touched on it a little but when you talk about having those blinders on are you seeing similarities between Jet's blinders to anybody else's blinders because I picked up on something and I'm trying to see if the two of us are both smelling what I'm stepping in are you smelling some Zuko yes because I smell some Zuko yeah. Yeah. I do. And I know, I know, I know uh, down the line we'll get to see, see it uh, IRL and like compare and contrast the two, but really interesting for an episode that doesn't have Zuko in it at all. To, in a way, sort of have Zuko in it. Yeah. This, you know, uh, tall, cool, angsty guy who's good with swords. Uh, be blinded by his cause to the point where he puts other people in danger. Yeah. Aren't... I think Jet and Zuko are the same age, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think Jet as a character is really interesting. Okay, so you're you're talking about, you know, the comparison between Jet and Zuko. I think that Jet as a character can be compared to pretty much the rest of our, you know, main characters that we're seeing every week. He is made to compare to the rest of our group here. He's the dark path. He is. He's the dark path for every single one of our characters. If you take one step off the path, you could be Jet. Yeah. The, you know, I didn't take very many notes this episode, but I did write down like, oh my god, the, you know, Jet versus Aang. Jet versus Sokka. Jet versus Katara. You mentioned Jet versus Zuko. Like, what? I feel like I understand our characters so much better because of this other new guy. <laughs> that you don't like. That, you, that you're like, I hate the character Jet. You know, wherever you watch show, Jet comes back. We know this. I yeah. don't like Jet when he comes back. I think uh, I love Jet in this episode. Ooh! hot take i think i do cool and i think that he's a stronger character if this episode is a one-off and he doesn't come back okay i like that yeah no i wasn't ready for that but i ooh, i feel like i'm gonna need to assess that again when we see jet again and see if i i find him falling in a way but I really like that you point out that he is kind of a mirror to stack up against our other protagonist. If this was a one-off, if this was a one-off episode, I wonder if it would have been too early as a one-off episode, too early in the season. 
if it was just if it was just Jet and Jet doesn't come back. I could be wrong, but I'm just trying to think of it in that context of this is the one chance you get to show them what road they could have gone down. I think that episode, like this episode, if you put it later in either the the season or the series, yeah. it it can be more impactful than it was. Okay. But you, you don't want to put it too far because then no. our characters are already on the right path. You want to, no. you know, when the path is still uncertain. I'd say sometime during season one, definitely. But I think if you move this episode deeper into season one, mm-hmm. then it becomes a different episode. I think it would also shift the tone. Ooh, what do you mean? Like as much as this, as much as this episode gets darker, I feel like it would shift the tone to whatever the next episode is to a darker tone. Like if it's to, if it's you know like maybe three before three or four before the season finale in a way, um, it would kind of have that cloud looming over of is someone going to take a step off the path? Mm. Because so early on, I think I think the end of this episode, while we establish that you know Jet was taking some bad turns and there were going to be some bad things happening, but they didn't. I think it pretty much cements that our characters are have conviction to stay on the path of good and protecting the innocent no matter what, uh, even if it means, you know, saving Fire Nation soldiers. Like, that's how strong in their convictions our gang is and says they are good. But I feel if it was further down, in the, if, if it was further down the line, We'd have that cloud of um, they were tested. I don't feel the test as much, if that makes sense. I would submit that you don't feel the test as much because you know, you know, even if this is not your 17 millionth rewatch, you know, sitting down to watch episode 10 on Netflix, mm-hmm. that there are another 12 episodes after that. Mm. But if you're you know, maybe it's 2005. So you're probably not on the internet as much, you know, you're just at home watching this show. You don't know if they're doing a 22 episode season. You don't know if they're doing a 12 episode season. If they're doing a 12 episode season, we're about (laughs) to go into the season finale. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I see that. I have a confession to make. What's that? I found this episode kind of underwhelming for my memory. Like I, remembered it maybe bigger than what it was so when i ended up watching it i was kind of underwhelmed with it that's so interesting because i was i feel like i was like selling this episode short i know and i watched it and experienced it as being so much better <laughs> you and i took different paths on this yeah i found it a little underwhelming for me okay so let me see if i can whelm you okay we, we we're talking about you know Jet and the way he is a mirror and and a comparison to our other characters here. Mm-hmm. Let me. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna try to be you and get right to the core of the apple and you know. <laughs> let's hold Jet up to Sokka. Okay. You have my attention. In, <laughs> in the beginning of this episode, Sokka declares himself the leader of Team Avatar. Mm-hmm. Katara protest this she says that you know ang should be the leader he's he's the avatar he's the avatar and Sokka's like, what do you mean he's the avatar he's a, he's a kid and ang's like yeah i'm i'm, I'm a kid <laughs> well 
I think he's like hanging upside down when yeah. he says it. it's a great moment. But, you know, Sokka declares himself the leader mm-hmm. and the people that he claims to lead, nothing. Jet is presented as the leader of the Freedom Fighters. Mm-hmm. And all of his little soldiers mm-hmm. defer to him. What do you think about the difference in their leadership styles? Who do you think is the more effective leader? Oh, I mean, I find that hmm, Jet has a gang of people around him who are more yes men to him. They defer to him. He has given them so much. And Sokka, on the other hand, has people to challenge him and make him better. He has people to collaborate with. Um, do they always listen? No, but he is still figuring out his leadership style. I don't think Sokka could be the kind of leader that Jet is to have a bunch of yes men around him. I don't think that would help him grow. Who do you think is the better leader? Jet or, Jet or Sokka? I don't think that Jet is a leader. Ooh, okay. I think Jet is a commander. Clarify the difference for me. A leader inspires those around them a leader is the first one in and the last one out a leader does what's right for the group and for those who are not a part of the group but just those who need it i would argue against that last point but i would also i'm curious because smeller b um I'm pretty sure mentioned something about being inspired by Jet. And I think to my point, Jet has given has given these kids a lot of things that they didn't have. He is the one who finds them food. He is the one who keeps them safe. He is the one who helps them feel empowered. How they use that power and inflict it upon others is to his own whim. There's a little less uh there's a little more group mind to it that's nudged by Jet. Fair, but I think it's I think the inspiration that Jet provides to the Freedom Fighters is fundamentally different from the inspiration that Sokka provides. And maybe my definition was incomplete, but the Freedom Fighters have for you know, they they don't really have many other options. Like each of them on their own. I think they've also been in their cause for so long. They've been living it. They've been living in an occupied in a space that's occupied by Fire Nation. Yeah. The gang's kind of new to it. Katara and Aang don't have to follow Sokka. There are moments when they choose to, mm-hmm. but it is very much a, a free choice that they make. And that does make them stronger. I don't think the Freedom Fighters necessarily make the choice to follow Jet without being under, I guess, duress? Yeah, yeah, like, you know, you you can follow me, or I guess you can die in the forest by yourself, and so that's the choice. It's not really a choice. Yeah, like, there's there's no choice. Yeah. And they find comfort in each other. I mean, you know, the friendships they make among the group. Besides, I find I don't see as much strong connections between Jet and the other members of the group. The other members of the Freedom Fighters seem to show strong bonds among each other, but I don't see, like, Jet hanging out with them, if that makes sense. He doesn't. He doesn't really see them as equals in my mind. And 
that goes back to he doesn't ask his followers anything. He orders. He commands. Mm-hmm. Sokka is constantly going and asking of people that he views either as equals to himself on, you know, some level mm-hmm. that maybe he doesn't communicate or as, you know, in a way greater than himself. He's not a bender. Mm-hmm. Katara and Aang are. Aang's the avatar. Like Katara said, you know, there's... Aang really doesn't have to listen to Sokka, and Sokka knows it. It's a 112-year-old avatar, the last airbender on Earth, who's going to potentially save the world. Does he need to listen to little water tribe boy with a boomerang? No. But he does most of the time. (laughs) I think this episode is Katara and Aang learning they should probably listen to Sokka a little more. (laughs) But yeah, when they when they listen to Sokka, things work out in this episode. And when mm-hmm. they don't, things get really dark and really not good for a minute there. I think, you know, another thing that's interesting is Aang and Katara still look for the good in absolutely everyone. I mean, Aang does, does this all the time. He wants to see the best in people. And Sokka is... So his 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 purpose is to protect Katara and Aang. That's how he sees himself in the group. That's how he sees his role. His job is the protector. And to be the protector, he's going to have to be a bit suspicious of outside people and outside advice and um, the outside world in general. And so this is where they kind of see that, okay, maybe those instincts to, you know, question as opposed to take everyone at their word, are kind of some good instincts. Similarly, I think this this episode is is one of the first times where we see like a significant amount of growth from Sokka, where it's really apparent. Because we have... We I don't have know, the... Kiyoshi was pretty... The island of Kiyoshi was some big growth. So I think this is a... Fair, I'll give you that. Yeah. That... I think this is... I think this is... His growth as a leader. That was his growth as, like, a human being. Well, I think he has growth as a human being in this episode. Okay. Because we have that that interaction between uh, Sokka and Jet and the old man from the Fire Nation. Oh, yeah. That, that was... Jet is ready to just straight up be, be rid of the old man. I gotta be honest. That scene made me uncomfortable. Me too. And... I think part of it is Jet's just blatant racism. Mm-hmm. And I think another part of it is the fact that it wasn't too many episodes ago where we heard Sokka saying, you know, what are you doing there? Fire Nation. Yeah, there are Fire Nation are not friends. We have heard Sokka make almost the exact same argument that Jet is making. I think, honestly, one of the most beautiful points of the episode for me, is when Sokka chooses to save the village that is going to be potentially flooded by Jet, that he chooses to go and talk to everyone in the village, including the Fire Nation soldiers. He saves their lives as well. He goes right up to them and he tells the Fire Nation soldiers, you need to evacuate everyone. You need to get everyone out of here. And that same old man vouches for Sokka. And that just it shows that Sokka cares about 
the sanctity of human life for for all of those people like they don't deserve to die that way that even maybe some of those fire nation soldiers are you know are are people too Sokka fights with honor jet does he not the risk ooh you bring an honor into this of course i'm bringing honor into this Jet is about saving the world at all costs, and Sokka is about protecting the world at all costs. Ooh. Because you can save the world, but then you don't kill like a whole bunch of people in the process. But Sokka wants to save the world by protecting it. Like, even this whole comet thing, like, you know, he wants to protect people from the, uh, from the Fire Nation using the comet. Not necessarily, like, stop a whole meteor like you know what i mean like yeah jet would be like i'm gonna fight the sky <laughs> so but Sokka's focus is on protecting the world as opposed to saving it he wants to save it too but he's got to protect what he has and the people around him and you know people's lives first Sokka cares he does he does and he has such strong convictions about it that he was willing to just walk into a Fire Nation occupied zone and 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 speak up. Draw attention to himself. Yes. When he's like, let's walk on foot so we dro- don't draw attention to ourselves. Yeah. Sokka had some of the best one one liners like in this whole thing. Like he had some of the best lines in this whole episode for me. And just really like when he says you became the traitor when you stopped protecting innocent people. Just another moment of Sokka putting protecting people over, like, quote-unquote, saving people. Like, the, great, the greater good does not mean throwing away other people's lives. It's not as important to him. When I first watched the show, mm-hmm. that line was, the, like, the first time that I was like, okay, I like Sokka. <laughs> That is good Sokka. I think that that like that line from Sokka is one of his greatest moments in the whole show. It feels so grown up. I, you know, even as a Sokka family, I didn't realize how like impactful this episode is to him as a character. I mean, I love the they do a really interesting art style choice for Sokka telling the story of how he saved the village. Of it's just stills of you know um, drawings on on a on a paper background and everything that look um, you know like the uh, we find out you know Sokka later in the series it tries to draw things but he's not as good but this is what he pictures it as that's kind of a really interesting side note it gives it an almost mythic feel yeah and I love it's a little thing but of the girl with the doll and the doll floating in the river that we see earlier. And then they go back to the village and the girl picks up her doll from the river. So I have a question for you about this. Yeah. I saw a thing with that doll and I'm not sure if I'm putting something in the episode that isn't there Mm -hmm. or if maybe I, maybe you didn't see it, but you might agree with it when you hear it. When was the last time you saw, and now I have to specify the animated movie Mulan. Yes. Yes. It looks very similar to the doll from the village that everyone is right? killed at. Yes. Yes. Of this girl will be needing her doll back. That doll. Yes. Oh my God. And the way this episode sets it up, you see the doll floating down the river 
And if you've seen Mulan, you know, like, that girl is dead. Dead. Just straight dead. And then to have her, like, then to have this whole story from Sokka and to see her pick the doll up. Oh, beautiful. I'm glad you saw that, too, because I saw it and I was like, that's, <laughs> that's gotta be, that's gotta be, like, an homage to Mulan. That's, I'm not seeing Easter eggs where there aren't any. <laughs> no, I see it. Thank you. Also, Sokka has the sassiest yip yip I have ever heard at the end of this episode. Yip yip. Like, he's so done with everything. And I just, I don't know, I, I see him as so much more grown up at the end of this episode. And you realize, like, he is the, like, quote unquote, adult in the room. I think that in that moment, he, he is the leader of Team Avatar at the end of this episode. He's proven himself. Yeah, and I think it's really poignant that, like, the moment in this episode where he is the leader is the moment where he is doing what Katara and Aang wanted to do in the beginning. Mm-hmm. When he trusts the people that he's asking, you know, to trust him, mm-hmm. that, is, that is his moment when he rises up. Yeah. It's really powerful. I'm I'm so proud of Sokka in this episode. <laughs> I I really love with Jet's very smooth, but we can't trust him. I feel like that summed up the whole episode. <laughs> I was like, that's it. That's the episode. Jet's very smooth, but we can't trust him. <laughs> Jet is so smooth. The way he sweeps Katara off of her feet, literally sweeps Katara <laughs> off of her feet. Oh my god, and all the lighting changes. Katara, come here, hold on to me. Oh, so campy. So when when Katara grabs on to Jet and like there's that big shift. Yes. Into like everything is now like rose tinted and yes. kind of golden and it's like sunset all of a sudden. Yep. Uh hello sunset with Haru on the cliff. Um also sitting on the back of Appa and looking at Aang as he's going to save the world. Is Katara secretly a weatherbender? <laughs> but like that's what I thought of of that glow because you had pointed it out to me in another episode of, you know, she sees the sun behind him and she sees the light through everything. And then this with Jet and the shift to that, like, golden tones. They really lean into it. Yeah, right up until they land on the treehouse and then everything goes back to being dark and mysterious and in shadow and kind of scary and totally not foreshadowing the twist to come. Because he's the bad boy. This is Katara's bad boy phase. <laughs> there was an eye roll, everyone. I just needed to say it out loud. The Kilton just gave the biggest eye roll. <laughs> I mean, who'd expect a waterbender to be so thirsty? <laughs> we just need to acknowledge that Katara's bad boy phase happened, and she very much learns her lesson from this. Does she? Does she learn her lesson from this? Um, Jet can beat Sokka. Jet can beat Aang. He can't beat Katara. Katara pulls out all the stops with her waterbending to defeat Jet. I love that she is the one to put a stop to him. Yeah. The waterbending in this episode is so cool. It is pretty cool. I feel like we got so much more of it than we normally do and so much 
So many like new uses. It's the first time that she uses her breath to do the ice, which is just so cool. I love it so much where she does the ice breath. And the the you know we we talked about the um, in our Omashu episode the practical use of earthbending mm-hmm. for sending things around and you know making doors and stuff, but the siphon that Katara and Aang make, yeah, with the with the water spouts. Mm-hmm. Like they bend a siphon. I also love that she starts she starts carrying a flask for a water skin for water to be bending at will to be able to just shoot it at punch someone in the face with it. Yeah, like a like a third arm extension of herself kind of thing. Yes. Yes, and that she's always it seems like she's more prepared for a fight now. She's ready. Yeah. She's readying herself. And so the way that... the, the camera f- focuses in during that fight in the Fire Nation village, like, we get a super close-up shot of the water, like, her hand be- moving and bending and the water coming out, going and attacking, and then she puts it back and she, like, puts the water back in the skin and corks it. Mm-hmm. And it takes the whole, f- like, it's the water skin on the whole frame with the cork going in. And it's, mm-hmm. I feel like that's totally, that's totally a hint as like, you know, watch this cork going forward. Cause when that thing pops open, stuff's about to go down. Yep. Yep. We've now armed our female protagonist. We've now, you know, she, she was a force to be reckoned with when they were by the water, when they were by port cities and everything like that. But she is now prepared to, while she's on foot, nowhere near water. She's prepared herself to be able to fight and protect the Avatar and her brother and herself. And it it keeps her on a similar level as the other benders that we've seen so far. Yeah. I'm also really proud of my girl for practicing so much that she's got these cool tricks up her sleeve now. (laughs) She got the water whip. Yeah. Yes. She's got the water whip. I love the ice breath. That is so cool. And I love that in the recap, they actually show her like cracking the ice in the beginning, like that they show she is that powerful that she can crack open a whole iceberg when she feels like it and to not underestimate her power. Like Jet was so concerned about, you know, fighting the Avatar, but he ended up beating him that he like forgot Katara could just whoop him like (laughs) he didn't. I don't feel he saw that coming, not just because, you know, he had built this connection with her but i think he underestimated her oh i think he totally did yeah so do you think that jet actually cared for katara Ooh, i think that jet saw bits of himself in katara's personality he saw that she this is another one for the cause this is another one who uh, sees how the evils that the Fire Nation can do. She can see my vision. She could share my vision. How how much I feel he had, you know, any kind of other feelings with her, I don't know. But I think at least he saw a spark in her that the two of them could do this together. I think I think this may have been one of the first times that. Jet saw a potential equal. He still underestimated her because she chose not to go his way. 
And that's where he saw a weakness in her. I don't think he sees her as an equal. I th- okay, okay, okay. I think he sees her as potentially his best soldier. Mm. And I think he weaponizes his own charm Ooh. to that end. Yeah, he is really he's charismatic, but it's a creepy charismatic. <laughs> I think it's performative. Ooh. I don't think he really and I don't have any strong evidence for this other than just like my gut instinct. But I, I don't think that Jet actually has any sort of romantic interest in Katara whatsoever. I think he's just identifying her as she would be useful to the cause. She would be great to have on the team. And this is how I get her on the team. This is how I get her to join us mm. by making myself seem smooth and dashing and, you know, impressing her. I think also potentially this is how I get the avatar on my team because she seems to have some sway. Like she, she, she's the one who like walks in, like as much as Sokka says he's the leader to them and everything. Uh, Katara seems like she's really kind of the, the glue for that group. And if he can get Katara on his side, he can get the other two. But fatal flaw in thinking that Sokka will do, will listen to anything his sister says. I don't think he cares so much. I, I think he reaches a point very early where he doesn't care about getting Sokka to join. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Because Sokka makes it pretty apparent pretty early, like, I'm not on the same level as you. Even to the point of seeing and Sokka I'm, as a liability. Yeah. Uh... But I think shortly after he sees Sokka as a liability, mm-hmm. he also writes off Aang. Interesting. I think when, I think it's pretty clear when he's, you know, setting up Katara and Aang with the, you know, making the siphon, draining the, mm-hmm. draining the, the underground spring. He doesn't, he's not trying to charm Aang. He's not trying to win Aang over. He doesn't even really acknowledge Aang. He is laser focused on Katara and making her feel like she is powerful and important and meaningful to the cause and doing something for him. Mm. And Aang is standing there off to the side and he's like, hey, hey what, what about me? Do you, do you believe in me? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I believe in the Avatar. Like, yeah, whatever. Ooh, Ooh, I like that take. But I think he's written Aang off at that point. And I think that that furthers the argument that Jet's not... Jet is a commander, and he's a commander fighting a war. But he he, he doesn't get it. It's not about victory for him. It's about vengeance. Mm. I think also Katara is the only one out of the group that has that sense of vengeance in a way that, you know, or at least has shared it with, with him saying the Fire Nation killed my mother. And, you know, it was pretty upsetting and traumatic. Yeah, I think he identifies Katara as the only member of Team Avatar that he can radicalize. Ooh. And I think that he's of the belief that if he can't radicalize you, you have no function to him. He's kind of a cult leader. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Definitely. Definitely. He's creepy cult leader. We mentioned uh, the doll floating by floating down the river when the uh, village is flooded. But I wanted to point out that 
another thing that is attacked by the river is a cabbage stand. It is very clearly just a stand selling cabbages. <laughs> that is the only color. It is the only like pop of color in this like brown village. It's these green cabbages and it feels so prominent. But to see these cabbages just destroyed. Poor guy. He, you don't see him. You just see the cabbages. In the back of your head, you're like, oh no, it's gotta be that one guy. Do you think it's the same merchant setting up shop here? I think it could potentially be. Alright, so we're gonna update the cabbage count on this one? No, because he did not save my cabbages. I am counting But his cabbages, half a point for the cabbages? I'll give half a point. Okay. I'll give half a point for the cabbages. I'll argue against cute animal alert in weeks without new animals, but give every possible point to cabbages. (laughs) (laughs) I have something I have to get off my chest. Is next week is the great divide. (laughs) (laughs) I hate this episode. I haven't watched it again yet. And I skip it almost every rewatch because I hate it. I, hate it I so, much. so hope that what happened to me this week <laughs> happens to you next week. And you're like, you come back and you're like, I thought I was going to hate it, but I love it. And I have thoughts. We shall see. I don't know. This is and uh, I don't think I'm like, I don't think I'm alone in not liking this episode. <laughs> and it's not like there's anything like necessarily bad. Like, it's not like they took the character and characters in a weird direction or anything. I just. I don't feel it progresses things. So we'll see if I'm eating my words next week. Um, but yeah, I am ugh, the great divide. Just like you last week were like, oh, jet. Thank you for listening to The Pie Show. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find our show notes at thepieshow.fm slash 10. If you'd like to reach us, you can send us a tweet at The Pie Show or email us at thepieshowpodcast at gmail.com. So I know we didn't talk about the battle at the end, like, super explicitly. Yeah, like we usually do. <laughs> there is a thing in this battle at the end that I, I just wanted to point out, because I think it's so beautiful. Um, and it, it ties into, like, you know, Jet as... Jet as a mirror to other characters and also comparing Jet to Zuko. Mm -hmm. During this battle at the end, when Aang and Jet are going at each other, Mm -hmm. the music we hear is a track called Agni Kai. And so far in the show, we have only ever heard it when our hero is confronting and fighting evil. And I think I think your point that, you know, there is this line between Mm -hmm. Jet and Zuko Mm -hmm. is just like that right there sells it like I am sold because of this music. (laughs) I love that you pick up on those music cues for me. For me, it's it's maybe because it's, uh, you know, number nth of the rewatch that it kind of all flows flows a little bit too much together for me but i love when you pick up on those things because that's something i've never noticed it makes me want to go back and watch that particular scene again especially it just it makes me so much it makes me so much more excited to see 
when Jet and Zuko eventually meet. And to see, I'm curious to hear what music plays then. There's, there's a YouTube channel called Sideways. And what he does is he just like overanalyzes music in things that he watches. And it's, it's very much a guy who's just like, oh yeah, this is a thing that I have, like, that I really want to talk about because I'm super interested in it. And I'm like, this is my hyperfixation of the moment, but I have no one to talk about. So I'm going to make a YouTube video. And he recently watched Avatar and did, I think it's like a 20 minute video on the music Ooh. in, in Avatar. And I'll send it to you because I'll, I'll stick it in the show notes. I think it'll draw your attention because one of the things that, you know, it, it's kind of difficult on a first watch to really catch all of the themes and how they are subtly changed to both interact with each other and evolve over time along with the characters. But when you have seen it a bunch of times like you have, yeah, you know, you you might not recognize like the Agni Kai track as like, oh, this is called Agni Kai. This is what it represents. But you know it. But I have emotions to it. I know it. Yeah, you have that's emotions to it and your ear can pick it out. Yeah. And you might not be, you know, you might not have all of the information around it, but you're primed to receive that information. So Ooh. I'll send you the video. Yeah. I want you to watch it. I think it will improve your viewing I, experience as we go improve forward. Improve my ear. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think from, again, like you said, I'm so primed for the emotions of it. Like, I know it. But it'll be really cool once I have that distinction of this is, this is what it's doing for you. So when it comes, I'll, I'm a little more aware. Ooh, yay. Oh, I'm excited. 